0: How was your life in regards to faith? How did your family react to your conversion to Islam? What was the major challenge you faced after becoming Muslim?
1: I'm lost, I'm confused, I'm terrified. I need answers about God. That night, I was feeling weird. I saw this thing. It was very fuzzy, but it was moving at me at a very quick rate. It was. Kind of invisible, but when you look through it, everything was wavy like a funhouse mirror. And it literally hit me. No matter what, I wanted to be on Team Allah. Allah.
0: Assalamu alaikum Brother Cleon, thank you for accepting our invitation. I want to start with who is Muhammad Cleon.
1: Rahim, with the name of Allah, the Most Merciful for all of creation and the especially merciful for the believers. Uh, Alhamdulillah Muhammad wa ala ali Muhammad. My name is Cleon Cathcart. I was born in California and um, I grew up, went to Christian school, and I was uh, basically like an atheist until around 2010 when. Uh, um, I discovered that God was real and, alhamdulillah, He was uh, waiting for me to come to my senses, basically.
0: How was your life in regards to faith?
1: Well, I grew up in a Christian school and in a Christian family, but at a certain point, you know, I mean, I didn't really believe in it anymore. Why not? Well, it just didn't make sense, you know. I mean, I was able to see that the Trinity didn't match my idea of what God is supposed to be. You know, we say God is one, but, you know, now He's three. And, and that was a little confusing. And we were making God a human. My idea of God at the time, and even today, is this is a being that is so powerful, he can create the universe. How can I truly comprehend who he is? It didn't make sense that God could one day walk around and that you know God had to create himself in a human so that he could kill himself, so that we could all be forgiven. And it was like, well, I mean, can't he just forgive us? And when I got to college, I called the synagogue and I asked the rabbi, I said, look, you know, I'm not sure, but I think maybe I'm a Jew because I don't believe that Jesus is the son of God. And you guys say he's not. Can you explain to me what you believe? So maybe I can join. And he said, is your mother a Jew? And I said, no, no, my mom's not a Jew. And he said, well, you can't join then. And I felt God would want you to worship him. And why would he say I couldn't be part of the chosen people? if there was a real God, so there must not be a God. And that's kind of where I left that. All these things that seemed to be contradictions for me. The well, science at the time seemed to have the answers with uh, evolution. Scientists were talking about how we don't need God. And I figured they're smarter than me. So, you know, I just kind of like went along with the crowd. So I just really kind of stopped believing in God.
0: How did your opinion about the existence of God change?
1: that I was sick in 2010. During that time, I was uh, watching a lot of uh, documentaries. I remember that they had documentaries about uh, physics. At that time, they discovered that there's dark energy and dark matter, and there's a lot more gravity, a lot more matter in the world. We just can't see it. Basically, at that time, they said it was about 30% was what we can see, and 70% is what we can't see. And I realized, well, if there's 10 physical dimensions, 30 height, width, length is 30%. So they kind of fit together and it made sense to me that, well, this dark energy and dark matter must be real. And, and so then I kind of went from atheist to, well, maybe God does exist. Maybe this is like where heaven and hell and the angels and all this other stuff is.
0: At that time, did you know anything about Islam?
1: Probably right after this or somewhere around that time, I got my first Quran. There was a, an ad on television. If you want a free Quran, call us and we'll mail it to you. I got the Quran, opened it up, and I saw Jesus and Moses and, and, you know, all of these prophets from the Bible. And since I didn't believe in the Bible, I thought, how can I believe in the Quran? Right? I mean, these basically the same stuff. Now, I didn't actually read it. I just saw these names in there and said, okay, I don't need to know anymore. And I put it away. I didn't know anything about Islam other than they believed in Jesus and Moses and um, Prophet Muhammad. Peace be upon all of
0: them. So how did your journey to Islam really start?
1: Later in 2010, I had a very strange series of experiences. For me, I understood that the God was real because I did experience it. If God is real and the devil is real, then heaven is real and hell is real. And all I knew is I don't want to go to hell. So now I have to figure out who God is. Because I didn't know, I, God is real, but God is not like a real name, that's just kind of like a description, right? I had read this uh, uh, phrasing from a book by a, a guy named Pike, who wrote a book called Morals and Dogma, and inside of this book, it says, Lucifer is God, but unfortunately Adonai is also God. And I thought, well, I know Lucifer, and I don't want to be Team Lucifer, so maybe Adonai is who I'm trying to reach. That night, I was feeling weird and I was embarrassed because, you know, we had been atheists in my family for so long I didn't want my wife at the time to see me praying. So I went outside to pray and I prayed to Adonai I just, you know, basically, if if you're God, give me a sign. And I saw this thing. It was very fuzzy, but it was moving at me at a very quick rate. It was kind of invisible, but when you look through it, everything was wavy like a funhouse mirror. But all around the outside, everything was normal. The cars and trees and everything looked normal. And it was physically moving at me very fast. And the word that I had at the time was, oh no, this is a demon. And it literally hit me. I believe their negative energy because it took all of my energy. I couldn't even think about what happened. I just kind of stumbled and collapsed in bed. And I woke up 12 hours later, kind of like hungover, groggy and sore. And and I was like, why do you feel like this? What happened to you? Oh yeah. You saw that demon last night. Well, that must not be the right track, right? Dawn I must not be who you're looking
0: for. So, who did you pray to next?
1: Even though I didn't really believe in the Bible, and I felt like there was, you know, kings and popes and scribes have changed the Bible for their own reasons, for whatever that happens to be. But maybe the Old Testament is right, and, and, and maybe Jehovah is God. And so, at noon the next day, I, I, I prayed to Jehovah to, to give me a sign, and uh, I got a phone call within seconds. and. I have an ID box, it's got a name and a phone number on it, and, and so I go and I pick up the phone and I say hello, and the person on the other end of the phone said, I got a message last night that somebody at this number was in trouble. And I said, dude, that's a weird thing to say, who are you? And he said, well, I'm so-and-so and it matched the name on the box, and I'm a priest. And I thought, wow, man, I just prayed to Jehovah for answers about God and you called? This is the answer to my prayer. Look." I'm lost, I'm confused, I'm terrified. I see things that people are not supposed to see and this is too much for me. I think I'm suicidal, I can't take it. I need answers about God." And he said, well, where are you? And I said, well, I'm in Rochester. And he said, I was there last night, but now I'm in this other city about 50 miles away. I said, that's okay. I can be there in a half hour. Just let me ask five questions I wanna know about God. And he wouldn't let me come. And I said, "Well, how about tomorrow?" And he said, No, busy." And the next day was busy. And finally, it was like ten days later. He said, "Okay, you, you know, we made a, an appointment." And I hung up, happy that finally I'm going to get some answers about God. And then I said, "Wait a second. Let's think about what just happened, right? What was the first thing this guy said? He said that he got a message last night that somebody this phone number was in trouble. My house." And I thought, "Well, what it was a landline? It was, it was a landline, yeah." And I thought, "Well, what happened?" And, uh, um, oh, yeah, you saw this demon that came to your house. And he said he was in Rochester last night, my city, when the demon came. So somehow this guy and that demon must be working together. Because, And I don't care if you're a priest or an imam or a Buddhist monk. When somebody tells you that they're suicidal, you help them. You don't wait 10 days to see if they actually kill themselves. And so I knew there was something that didn't make sense here.
0: And then what happened? Did you finally pray to Allah?
1: At that point, the only thing I thought that could be God was Allah. But at the same time, all of that brainwashing from 9-11 and all of that, it's the moon God, subconsciously was still there. And I was afraid to pray to Allah, right? Because I didn't want to make another mistake and pray to something that wasn't the creator of the universe. So I didn't pray. And depression set it. The next day I was tears were coming down not constantly, but I would start crying and and I thought this is weird Why am I crying? And why do I feel depressed? I tried to make the tears stop, but they wouldn't stop They just came all day long Friday morning I got up and my bed was soaked and I thought well what's going on here? And I realized that my bed was soaked because I had cried all night and and the tears had made my sheets wet and the depression was so intense. I don't have words to describe how bad it was. At that moment, we had those little whispers, right? It's like thoughts in your own head. And it, it said, look, life is not worth living in this condition. And I thought, you know, me, that's right. Life is not worth living in this condition. What can I do? And, and then that little thought came to me that said, you have to kill yourself. And I thought, you know what, that's right, that'll solve my problem. I can get rid of this depression by killing myself. And so I went through the logistics of how do you kill yourself, and I determined that the best way to do it was take a bunch of drugs so you feel good, then you die, out in the middle of a forest where the animals can eat you and dispose of your body, and it's like a win-win. And then it was like that other little thought came to me and it said, what about the moon? And then I got mad, I was like, oh, that's right. God is real. If you kill yourself, you're gonna go to hell. I thought, well, you know, if if Allah is the devil, as some people want you to believe, and I kill myself, I'm gonna go to hell and I'll meet him in hell. So why not take a chance and pray to him before you kill yourself? Because maybe you're wrong, like you've been wrong about so many other things. I remember it was 10 a.m. Friday morning, and I stood up, tears just pouring out of my eyes, and, and I said, Allah, I am lost, I'm confused, I see things that people aren't supposed to see. I'm depressed beyond words and I'm ready to kill myself. And if you're God, you know this. I don't even know why I have to say this out loud. I don't know why you haven't helped me yet, but I'm begging you, if you are God, help. Give me a sign that you're real. Help me. And at that moment, it was like my heart was a balloon and Allah went And it literally expanded in my chest and it filled with a substance that I could only describe as love. And it leaked out of my heart in perfect sine waves. It was very weird and scientific at the same time. And I could feel it go down to my hands, from my heart up to my head, actually turn around and go back. And it was like these waves of love filled my body. Except in my heart, it was like this star, like this solidness of love had ignited. And it was very brief. That's the first time that I knew that Allah was God. I didn't actually know anything about Islam, but I knew that no matter what, I wanted to be on team Allah. And so whatever that meant, I'm in.
0: So what did you do next?
1: There was a restaurant that some Pakistani people ran and they had great food. And, and I seen they were Muslims, I'd been in there before. So that's where I went, to learn about Islam. And they connected me with a guy. I was like, I'm in, man. I don't care what it is, I'm in. Allah is God, I know this. Make me a Muslim. What do I get? You need blood? What do we got to do? I'll sign, you know, where do I sign? He's like, no, no, it's very simple. It's very simple. You just make a statement with your heart that Allah is God and Prophet Muhammad is the messenger of God. And I said, okay, let's do it. And he said, well, there's some things we got to go over. And so he spoke about the five pillars and the six precepts. And I'm like, I'm in. Okay. You know, I, I don't even have to think about it. And he said, it's important that you understand the Quran is the actual words of our creator. And I went, whoa, 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 whoa! whoa. How do I know that? That's a crazy thought, right? Our Creator gave us His own words, you know. And and coming from a Christian background, it just didn't make sense because I never thought the Bible was God's actual words, right? I mean, we're told that these are the inspired words of uh, of God, but men's words. This was a very, very strange concept for me, and and I'm like, "I, I, I don't know that I can believe that. And he said, Well, you have to to be a Muslim. And I said, Well, let's let's convince me. And he said, well, I'll tell you what, let's meet again because, you know, we, we've gone through so much today. Let me bring you a little book called A Brief Illustrated Guide to Islam. And in there, it said about scientific signs in the Quran. And for me, it was the development stages of the human embryo and how they're described in the Quran that really match the actual development stages, which we couldn't know without an MRI to confirm all of this for us. And I realized that Prophet Muhammad he couldn't know that 1400 years ago, that that had to be divine knowledge.
0: So how did you take your Shahada?
1: After I accept the Quran, I'm like, okay, let's do it now. Shahada time. And my friend who I'm still I still communicate with to this very day, Hassan, wonderful man. He said, let's wait till Friday, right? We'll do it in front of all the people. He said, we, you know, like church service on Sunday, we, we do it on Friday. So let's do it and everybody can have the blessings. And and I said, no, what if I die tomorrow? I get hit by a bus tomorrow. I, I want it now. And he said, just wait a couple days. And I said, okay, you know, I, I trusted him. I said, okay. But like I said earlier, when you get close, Satan starts working really hard. And I was getting all these weird thoughts, right? Crazy. You know, really crazy thoughts where I thought that if I went to the mosque on Friday, somebody would blow it up. And and, and all these innocent people would die because of me, because I went there. So I didn't go that Friday. And uh, Saturday, my friend called me and he said, okay, I get it, let's not delay this. Uh, Meet me on uh, this park. And so we sat on a park bench and I took my shahada with him on a park bench. I felt relief because you know I had finally was able to be a part of what God wants for us.
0: How did your family react to your conversion to Islam?
1: They didn't like it at first. My mom had been on me to go to church. I mean, she'd been very active when I was sick about going to church. When I discovered that God was real and I had accepted Islam, so I called her and I said, hey, you know what, mom? You're right. God is real. And she was very happy. And she said, <laughs> she said, oh, that's wonderful. Did you, you know, because we had gone, grew up in the Baptist church. She said, did you find a Baptist church? And I said, no, 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 I, I, I wasn't at the Baptist church. And she's like, well, well, you know, in your area, uh, it's the Lutherans. Did you, was it the Lutheran church? And I said, no, no, I, I wasn't at the Lutheran church. She said, oh, no, it wasn't the Catholics, was it? And I said, no, it wasn't the Catholics. And she just wouldn't let up. I felt embarrassed to tell her because I knew she wouldn't like the answer, but she wouldn't let up. And so she, you know, I, where did you find God at? And I said, well, mom. You wanna really know where God's at? You gotta to go to the mosque." And she started to cry and said, "'Oh no, that's not God,' and hung up on me." But a couple of years later, I was visiting her in her house and, and a family friend that, you know, um, she had called to talk to my mom and, and I didn't answer the phone, and her name was Ruth. Ruth said, I, "'I hear you know you're doing well "'and your mom is so happy.'" And I said, are you sure we're talking about the same lady? Because that's not the way that I'm getting, you know, the story. And she said, oh no, no, your mom is so happy that you became Muslim and that you've changed your life around. Surprisingly, she was happy that I became Muslim because she recognized how that had changed my life, even though she couldn't admit it to me. So inshallah, make dua for her, that she accepts Islam one day.
0: What was the major challenge you faced after becoming Muslim?
1: That's a great question. I don't know what major challenges other than sticking with Islam because you know there's all kinds of invitations to leave it right and come back to you know hey the girls you had a lot of fun over there let's you know let's go you know rock and roll you know let's go concerts are waiting for you the weeds there the alcohol's there it's all waiting for you just come on back come on back buddy we love you right but you know it's wrong and and that's probably the major challenge is is sticking to your guns to you know I mean I accept Islam and I've got to leave those things behind
0: Did you experience anything where you felt a special connection with Allah?
1: After I became Muslim, I bought a bus ticket where I could go anywhere in America for two months. And I traveled around and I, I warned people. And sometimes I got me into some trouble and I realized that to avoid the trouble, I needed to, to shorten the message down to what was really important. That message was about forgiveness. And I remember being in San Francisco. I was in what they call the tenderloin, right? This is like where, where all the prostitutes and drug dealing and all this kind of stuff goes on because I was like, at that time I thought, well, these are my people. They're the ones that need the help the most. They're the ones that are hurting the most. And they are. That's how they ended up there. So I was down there. I felt sort of like the crazy man holding the sign, you know, the end is near, kind of a thing. I mean I felt a little like that. But I was standing there saying, Forgiveness is healing. When you need healing, ask Allah to forgive you. And People would come up and tell me how crazy I was and swear at me and tell me how they didn't want me there. And they were just like, get out of here. And, and I would stay there and keep doing it. After about five or six hours, though, it wears you down. And I remember going, you know, this is stupid. What are you doing? You are crazy. They're right. You're standing here talking about God to these people. They don't care about God. What do you get out of here? And it was at that moment, the first day, I turned around and there was this little old lady standing there and she's like, Thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. And, and it was like, okay, a lie, right? I was ready to walk away and you put somebody there to encourage me when I needed encouragement. I understand that was you. And the next day I was back doing it again. And the same thing happened. Five or six hours into this, I'm going, you know, that, that was just an old lady. That wasn't God, right? That was not a sign. Don't be stupid. These people are right and I'm ready to give up. And then it's an old man. And the day after that, it was like a little boy. Five days in a row. When I was ready to walk away, somebody would show up and encourage me and tell me that they're glad that I'm doing, that I'm talking about God and sharing the importance of forgiveness. I really felt connected at that point because I realized that that doesn't happen randomly, right? I mean, not every day in a row. That was a sign. Now, it wasn't a big sign like, you know, the heart expanding, but if you're really paying attention, it, that was truly a sign.
0: Did anyone around you become Muslim after you? Like
1: my, my grandmother, her mother, I think it was 2012, I went to see her. She wasn't doing well. She was 86 years old, and she was in an old folks home. And my mom took me by to, to see her when I was visiting. She couldn't speak, she couldn't, she didn't have words, she was in a wheelchair, but she saw me and she started crying. I said, Grandma, why are you crying? She couldn't talk, and... But she was trying to and I said, look, I think I know. Let's talk about God for a minute. And I said, here's the thing, my aunt is gonna show up, she's gonna try and get you to pray to Prophet Jesus and don't do that because that's blasphemy, that's shirk, right? That's praying to something that's breaking the first commandment. And I told her, I said, look, Prophet Muhammad is a real prophet and Islam is the correct religion of God on earth today that we're supposed to follow. And every time I would say these things, her tears would get bigger and bigger. And and I said, do you want to accept Islam today? And 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 she's nodding her head yes and crying. And I said, okay, just take my hand and squeeze. If you agree with what I'm saying, I gave her the shahada. Inshallah, my grandma will be you know a winner on Judgment Day. I was with an organization, actually amazing Dawah in the Philippines, and uh, um, we would visit prisons. So then we would talk about the Quran and we would talk about what Allah wants from us and. Many people took Shahada.
0: What impressed you the most about our Prophet? His
1: ability to be a mercy for mankind, to be forgiving. His self-described worst day we all know was Taif, where the kids, you know, chased him, they threw stones, they you know, he was beat up. And he had the option to just collapse the mountains on him, and he's like, I don't want to do that. One day maybe these people will accept. And they did. So his ability for forgiveness and helping people to the right path.
0: What projects are you doing right now?
1: Um, I was doing a lot of projects for, for dawah. Um, I have a, a, a special project in America, uh, the Furcon project with Furcon Foundation where they distribute, uh, English language Qurans. I think it was about 600,000 Qurans that he had already gotten and, a- and distributed. And now I believe he's at 1.6 million. And so my goal is to, to help him get to 2.6 million or more because You know, that's where I got my first Quran, was from that organization. And they do such good work in getting those Quran's to people that need them or want them. Uh, Many Dawah organizations, uh, English speaking Dawah organizations use
0: the Furcon Quran. What would you like to say as your final comments?
1: God wants you to be successful. And God is waiting for you. God's waiting for all of us, right? To follow him. You know, as we know, you take, one step towards God, and, and He takes ten towards you. And you know, you, you take a few steps, and He comes running towards you. So God wants us to seek Him.